You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number two. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for moms who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds loss or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, online fitness coach, wife, and mom of four. Every week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and I'm excited to be here and talk about this today. I think this episode is really going to be kind of a foundational episode. For some of you, this information might be new, and maybe some of you listening are, this is kind of old hat to you. But I think even if you have tracked macros, or even if you currently track macros, I think you're still going to have some really important takeaways from today's discussion. Before I dive into today's episode, I do want to remind you to go right now to leave a review on iTunes. These reviews really help the podcast as it's in its infancy to be found by new people. So that really, really helps me out. And to incentivize you slash bribe you, I am doing a raffle. So if you leave a review by Thanksgiving, I will pick one winner to get my 12 module online course, Ditch the Diet for free. So all you have to do is you have to go leave a review and I I will pick one of you to win that. If you need help leaving a review, because it's not always super intuitive for everybody, make sure you first subscribe. You have to subscribe before you can leave a review. But then the whole outline of like how to leave that review, if you can't figure it out, head to my show notes on my website and I kind of screenshot some things so that you can figure out how to leave a review. But that would be amazing. Also, I wanted to mention that I have a freebie for today's episode. Today's episode, we're going to go through a lot of technical stuff. And so to be able to help you, I put together a guide, a free guide of these six steps to learn how to track macros. And it's going to have some information that I can't really give over a podcast because it's more visual. Uh, So you can go to bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash to download to be able to get that free guide and really walk yourself through these six steps to learn to track macros. So in case you didn't look at the title of this episode before you hit play, today we are going to talk about the six steps to learn how to track macros. And we're going to start this discussion off by a fundamental understanding that I think a lot of people lack. And it's something that really should be taught more in elementary and junior high and high school, but really isn't. And that is this idea of the difference between fat loss versus weight loss. We are all very familiar with weight loss. You get on the scale, the scale either goes up, which means you've gained weight, or the scale goes down, and that means you've lost weight. And we have in our mind that this scale weight is a one-to-one relationship with fat, meaning if we gained a pound, then that means we gained a pound of fat. And if we lose a pound, that means we lost a pound of fat. And in fact, it is so much more complicated than that because our weight is made up of so much more than just fat. In our body, we have fat, of course. We also have muscles. We have soft tissue. We have 
organ weight. We have water weight. We have ligaments. We have a brain. We have all of these things that contribute to our overall weight. And so when you see the scale go up a pound or down a pound, you cannot say that that is necessarily equivalent to fat loss. Fat loss is specifically loss of fat in the body. And you can have fat loss without any weight loss. You can lose fat off your body and not see any change on the scale. And you can also, on the converse, have weight loss without any fat loss. You can see that scale going down and it not being fat. And I think this is, this concept is really misunderstood. We look at scale weight as this one-to-one relationship with fat loss, and it really truly isn't. So the next time you start saying, I want to lose weight, I really want you to start changing that in your mind to, I want to lose fat, because that's what you really mean, right? Like nobody goes into weight loss saying, oh, I really want to lose some water weight, or oh, I really want to lose some muscle, <laughs> or oh, I really want to like lose some, you know, my ligament weight. No, we want to lose fat. And so I really want you to start to change that in your vocabulary from weight loss to fat loss, because that's what we want. We want to have this fat loss. In order to experience fat loss, you have to create a caloric deficit, period. End of story. That's how you create fat loss. And a caloric deficit means that you are eating less calories than you burn. Seems pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You eat less calories than you burn in the day that puts you in a caloric deficit, which causes fat loss. And this is very vastly misunderstood because we have these ideas that certain diets cause fat loss. Like if you eat paleo, that causes fat loss. Or if you do intermittent fasting, that causes fat loss. And it's really important to understand the difference between the method and the cause. So intermittent fasting does not cause weight loss or fat loss. What intermittent fasting does for a lot of people is it makes them eat less food. And the fact that they create that caloric deficit is what causes the fat loss. Same thing, keto. Keto does not cause fat loss. Keto causes a lot of people to put themselves in a caloric deficit and the caloric deficit causes fat loss. And so I really want you to separate the method for creating the caloric deficit from the actual cause, which is always a caloric deficit. And that's what causes fat loss. There are 1,001 different ways to create a caloric deficit. You can create it through a whole bunch of different ways. So why do I particularly like tracking macros and why do I find that it works well for hitting your goals and for me and my clients? Let's back up a little bit and define this term macros because you probably hear it thrown around and some of you might be like, what are macros? It sounds like macaroni and cheese. That's delicious. Macros are a shortened word for macronutrients. And macronutrients is any of the nutritional components in your diet that are required in large amounts. So there's some things that are required in really small amounts um, and like some vitamins and minerals, but then there's things that are required in large amounts. And these are things like our protein, our carbohydrates, and our fat. And so when we talk about counting your macros, 
You're talking about tracking the intake specifically of carbs, fat, and protein. Other things that you'll hear this called is flexible dieting. You'll hear it called IIFYM, which stands for if it fits your macros. All of those things are referring to the same thing of tracking your macronutrient intake. So going back to this idea that there's a ton of different ways to create a deficit, and what we're really looking for is that caloric deficit. Why do I particularly like tracking macros? There's actually four reasons that I like tracking macros, and I think it's very effective and works for a lot of people. The first one is this difference between calorie counting and counting macros. Can you create a caloric deficit just by counting calories? Absolutely. You for sure can. But when you count macros, you are much more specific about where those calories come from, which makes sure that you get enough of each macronutrient. Because what happens when most people count calories is their macronutrient ratios are completely off. So they'll cut cut calories, but they tend to cut calories maybe from protein. And they'll eat a whole bunch of carbs and really low protein and low fat. Or their fat will be really high and they'll cut a lot of carbs. And so when you count macros, you can ensure that you're eating enough of each macronutrient to be able to feel good and perform well. If you cut your protein too low, you are going to hinder your body's ability to build muscle. And even more importantly, you're going to cause your body to use muscle for energy. So you have muscle loss that's occurring alongside of your fat loss, which is not anything that you want to do for your long-term metabolism. We want to prevent muscle loss. And so by being able to count your protein, you can make sure you have enough protein to feel satiated and to maintain your muscle mass. We want to make sure that you have enough fat. Fat provides help for vitamin absorption. It regulates your hormones it helps with brain function. If you cut your fat too low, you're going to hinder a lot of processes in your body. So we want to make sure that we have enough fat. And last, we need to have enough carbs. Carbs are the body's preferred source of energy, and it helps us perform well. It helps us to have energy. It helps us to do well in the gym. And if you cut your carbs too low, you're going to find that you lack energy and that you are a little bit more lethargic and not able to perform as well in your workouts. So we need to make sure that we have enough of each macronutrient while still being in a caloric deficit to cause that fat loss. One of the problems that I have with just counting calories and not actually breaking it down into the specific macronutrients is that we live in this world where women especially are continually given this message that they always need to eat less. Always. Like less is always better than more. And so we have these arbitrary numbers that nobody knows where they came from, where people are like, oh yes, to lose weight, you have to eat 1200 calories, regardless of if you're six foot four or if you're five foot two. And it's just silly to think that everybody should be eating 1200 calories to lose fat. And so what happens is a lot of women, when they go to like try to lose fat, they cut their calories super, super low because lower is better, right? It's going to work faster and we just want to get this over with. And what ends up happening is they get into a binge and restrict cycle. So you cut your calories really low, you're starving, you eat all the things, you repent and you go back into that deficit and you like have this cycle of, of like binging and restricting. And I'm not a serial dieter, but I do remember a couple times in college trying to actively lose weight and 
that was how I did it. Like I just counted calories and I realized the least amount of calories that I can eat, that's going to produce weight loss. So it was all about like eating the least amount of calories possible. And honestly, less is not better. In fact, I would argue you should eat as much as possible while still making progress towards your goals. And by being very, uh, decisive about how much you're eating of each of the macronutrients, you can really make sure that your body is getting enough. So reason number one that I like tracking macros is because you can really make sure you're getting enough of each of the macronutrients. Number two is regardless of how you are eating, by tracking, you become aware of it and you become aware of those macros and you're able to manipulate them to get the results you want. What I find with a lot of people who do keto or clean eating or intermittent fasting or whatever method you want to lose to create use to create this caloric deficit If you stop seeing results, you have no idea what to do next. So if you are eating keto and you're seeing results and then all of a sudden you plateau, what do you do next? You, how do you eat better? Like how do you eat more keto, right? It's, it's not quantified at all. And so when you get really specific on your calories and your macronutrient intake and you stall out, you can easily make adjustments and adapt things and continue on with your progress. And so I think being able to manipulate those numbers to be able to get the results you want is really, really valuable for long-term success. Number three, with macros, the focus is on fat loss and not just weight loss. And I kind of talked about this, you know, remember the difference between fat loss and weight loss, but when you can manipulate each macro individually, you can optimize how you're eating to be able to maintain muscle in a deficit, which helps you to maximize fat loss and minimize muscle loss. Muscle mass is the one thing that you can have to be able to increase your metabolic rate permanently. By adding more muscle mass, you will increase your metabolic rate because muscle is more active. And so the more muscle mass you have, the higher your metabolic rate. And when you can manipulate each macro and make sure you're getting enough protein, you can have the focus beyond fat loss and maximizing that fat loss while minimizing the amount of muscle loss that you're going to have during that caloric deficit. Number four is that it teaches moderation. Just eat healthy doesn't work for most people. They, it's like this all or nothing. People can't find what moderation means. They can't find that balance between eating all the junk food or eating none of it and like to completely cutting out processed sugar or, or flours. And they can't find that like 80-20 of like eating mostly whole healthy foods and having some foods in there that are, are fun foods. So by specifically outlining how many carbs, fat, and protein you're eating, you are able to fit in foods that yes, are fun, but in a way that like you'll never hit your macros if most of your foods aren't wholesome, like healthy whole foods. So what it does is it teaches you how to construct a day of eating that has balance, that has moderation, that has some fun foods, has a lot of whole foods, and is able to have you have that healthy balance. And that's what I love about it is that it is able to teach you about your nutrition, about the foods that you're eating. It's able to teach you about portions, about what's in your food and how to balance it so that you can eat that cookie without guilt while still making progress towards your goals. 
I don't personally believe that you should track macros for the rest of your life. I think tracking macros for a period of time is important because it teaches you a lot about your food, about nutrition, about moderation, and then allows you to transition to a more intuitive style of eating while still having that knowledge as background to be able to make you more successful. So those are the four reasons that I think counting macros is very, very valuable for a period of time for a lot of people. And the first one was that it makes sure that you're getting enough of each macronutrient. It allows you to manipulate specific macros to be able to get the results that you want. It helps you to focus on fat loss and not just weight loss and maximizing fat loss. And then last, it teaches you moderation. If I've convinced you that this is something that you want to try and that you want to dive into, then listen up because we're going to go over my six steps to take you from somebody who has never tracked macros before to someone who feels very comfortable with it and understands the philosophy and the how-tos behind it. Again, I have a really awesome resource at www.bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash to download. And it's going to walk you through all six of these steps with a lot more detail and a lot more examples so that you can really walk through these steps yourself and start to implement the things that I'm talking about. So let's dive in. Number one is to buy a food scale. And I get a lot of kickback about this. And maybe you're you're saying, no, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be obsessive. I don't want to be weighing my food every single day. And I think it's important to understand, one, you aren't going to do this forever. Remember, you're tracking macros for a period of time. It's going to teach you a lot about portions. It's not going to be forever. And two, the reason that we have you weigh your food is simply because it is more accurate. Most people don't have problems with like using cups and measuring spoons. But when you ask them to move from that to a scale, they kind of freak out. Like that's, that's obsessive. But what it really comes down to is accuracy. For example, if I said, measure out a cup of spinach to three different people, I would for sure get three different amounts of spinach because one person would like pack that spinach in there really, really tight. One person would just like loosely place the spinach and one person might like chop up the spinach into tiny pieces and like get as much in there as possible. So a cup of spinach is not the same every single time. Same thing with grapes or rice or oatmeal. It's not always the same. And so by weighing out your food, a hundred grams of oatmeal is always going to be a hundred grams of oatmeal. It's going to be the same every single time. And so weighing your food is just more accurate. Now, can you not count macros if you don't weigh your food? Or if you're like, I can't weigh my food. I just can't do it. You know what? You can still use cups and measuring spoons. If that is something that you're like, okay, I can do that. Good. Do that instead. But I really want to just reinforce that like weighing your food is just more accurate. That's really what it comes down to. It's not forever. It is just for a period of time. On the freebie that I mentioned, I have the scales that I particularly recommend. I have kind of a Cadillac version and then like a basic version, but you can just go to Walmart or Target or Marshall's and pick up a scale. They're not very expensive, like 10 to $20. And it will be very helpful in being very accurate with weighing your food. Also on the guide, I have three secrets about weighing things. So there's some secrets and some tips that I have about weighing things, and that will be on the free guide. So bicepsafterbabies.com forward slash to download. 
One thing to talk about before I move on to step number two is that I do see some people getting really obsessive about weighing their food and it becomes this all or nothing. Like if I can't weigh my food, what do I do? Like, I don't even know what to do if I can't weigh my food. And I want you to think of weighing your food as a learning process. So pay attention as you're weighing, what you're doing is you're learning portion sizes. I even like to play a game where, or I used to play a game where I would like dish out what I thought was the serving size and then weigh it afterwards to see how close I was, because that's really helping me to, to be able to trust myself and to learn portion sizes. And And it allows you to when you get into a situation where you can't weigh something like at a restaurant or when you go over to a friend's house, that you can have an idea and an estimation without weighing it of what you're eating. Step number two is to download a food tracking app. There are lots and lots of different apps in the app store. A lot of them are free. There's some that you can get on your computer as well. And I have a list of them on this guide that that you can kind of look at and figure out which one you like. Personally, I like and have always used MyFitnessPal. There is a free version and there is a paid version. You can do everything that you need to with counting macros on the free version. MyFitnessPal is one of the oldest tracking apps and it just has a really large database. It has a lot of features. It has ability to create recipes and I find it very user-friendly for the most part while still being a very powerful tracking app. So that's the one that I recommend. Again, I have a bunch of them suggested in the in the guide if you want to grab that and use something different. Um, also in the guide, I have some MyFitnessPal tricks because I've used MyFitnessPal forever. I know it inside and out. And I have some really good tricks that if you're new to using MyFitnessPal are really going to help you to get over that learning curve. But I want you to download that food tracking app and then I want you to mess around with it, kind of play around with it, look at the database, look at some of the features. There's definitely a learning curve that's going to come with this, but just kind of mess around with it and look around and you're going to get over that learning curve pretty quickly. Number three is to log your normal intake for a week. We as humans underestimate what we eat and we overestimate how much exercise that we have just naturally, like everybody does. So by logging your normal intake, you're going to get really clear on how you are currently eating. What is your current macro breakdown? How many calories are you eating? How much fat are you eating? You're going to get really clear on that. And you might notice something as you start to track. The first thing that you might notice is that you start eating better when you're tracking. And this is kind of a normal thing that as you start to become more aware of things, you start to make some different choices than you may have made when you weren't tracking. As best as you can, I really want you to try to avoid that. I really want this to be just a normal, a normal week for you. You're not restricting things that you normally would eat. You're not changing your portion sizes. You're really just trying to get an accurate reflection of where your intake has been up until this point. The second thing you might notice is that you only want to log the foods that you consider good foods. So maybe you eat a cookie and you're like, oh, I don't want to log that because that's not good. I liken it to the kid who covers his eyes and then thinks that you can't find him because he can't see you. It's the same thing. You're not fooling your body, right? If you eat it, 
it counts. Like it, your body recognizes it as food. It doesn't matter whether or not you log it. So I want you to be really honest with yourself and just log it. No judgment. We're not trying to induce shame or guilt, but we're just trying to get a really accurate reflection of where your eating currently is. Remember the macros count regardless of if you count them. This is one of the most important parts of the whole process. You are going to learn so much about your food as you start to track it and as you start to see how the food that you eat is made up of macros and the different macros nutrients ratios that different foods have. This is the learning part. Do not skip it. Everyone wants to jump to just setting their macro numbers. Don't skip this part. Track your intake for a full week. It's going to help you learn how to use MyFitnessPal before you're starting to try and hit macro numbers. And it's also going to be able to help you set your macros more accurately. Because once you figure out where you've been eating, you can deem that about your maintenance and then you can create your deficit from there. Calculators and equations are always just an average and you're always going to be more accurate for your body if you track your normal intake first and then create your deficit from there. Number four, set your macro goals. So this is where everyone wants to jump. They want to jump, okay, what macros should I be eating and how, how do I do this? So after you've tracked your normal intake for a week, you can then calculate your macros out. And I have a free guide, which is in, I'll link it in the show notes. I'll also put it in the freebie download for today's episode. And it walks you through exactly how to set your macros for your body, taking into account at the same time that you need to base it off of whatever you were normally eating. If you were normally eating an average of 3000 calories a day, when you are tracking your normal intake, you do not need to go down to 1200 calories to be able to lose weight. You can create a more moderate deficit of about 20% to be able to put your body in a deficit while also being able to make sure that you have enough, that you're not going to starve yourself to death and that you're going to be able to continue. I want to reiterate that macros are not magic. And that when you set your macros for the first time, it is a starting point. It is a point where you get to do a little bit of trial and error. You start at certain macros, you see how your body responds, and then you adjust from there. And we'll talk a little bit more about adjusting for the results that you want, but really understand that there is a trial and error process that comes with this. And that's okay. That's, That's part of the process and a part of setting macros that are accurate for your body. And last, if you find it overwhelming when you set your macros to be hitting all of the macros at the same time, like trying to hit carbs and fat and protein and calories and having that all line up. And that just feels really hard to you at first. A really good stepping stone can be simply trying to hit your protein and your calorie numbers and allowing your carbs and fat to kind of balance each other out, but not necessarily hitting exact numbers for those two macros. So by only hitting calories and protein, it makes it simpler to have everything line up. And that's a really good stepping stone to being able to get to the place where you're tracking all the macros simultaneously. Number five, now that you have your macro set, you got to start hitting your macros. And with this consistency is key. You cannot accurately adjust your macros until you actually are hitting them. And I also want to reiterate the fact that where your macros are set makes zero difference if you don't hit them. You could have the most perfect macros in the world, 
But if you're not consistently hitting them, it's not going to work and you're not going to be able to accurately like adjust to be able to get the results that you want. So I need you to give it at least two weeks of consistency. And that's two weeks of like being able to look yourself in the eye and say, yes, I have consistently hit my macros within plus or minus five grams for protein and carbs and plus or minus two grams for fat. If you can look at yourself and say, yes, over the last two weeks, including the weekends, I have been consistent, then that's when we can move on to the next step and talk about adjusting your macros to be able to get the results you want. But you need to focus on hitting your macros and developing that consistency. And this is where a lot of people struggle and spend a lot of time trying to figure out that balance that works for them to be able to be consistent. Some of the things that I hear from people, um, that things that they struggle with is special occasions. It throws people off when there's holidays or when they're going out of town or they're going on vacation. And they often ask, you know, how do you balance like special occasions with trying to be consistent and hit your numbers and see results? There's always this balance between the results that you want and what you're willing to give up to have those results. And that balance is individual for everybody. It's not going to look the same. And so I think it takes first just being really honest with yourself and deciding the goals that you have and how much intensity is going to be required to hit them. There's a reason that bodybuilders don't go out to eat and they skip social functions and you know they stay home and prep all their own food. Not saying that you should be a bodybuilder. I'm just saying that when you have really extreme goals like that, you have to make sacrifices. And so what is really important for you is to determine what balance feels good for your body and for your life. You have to be 100% honest about what you're willing to put into the process and what expectations you have are the results. So with special occasions, I think it just comes down to getting really clear of what you're willing to do and then being consistent with that. Whether that means you going out to dinner every Friday night with your husband and eating whatever you want, if that's the balance that you want to have, awesome, include that, but understand that it may impact your results in the long run. Another thing that I hear from people is that they struggle with spontaneous food. So like donuts show up at the office, some friend drops by some cookies and people struggle to stay on track or stay consistent when this spontaneous food happens. And I really want to encourage you when this happens to, instead of defaulting to all or nothing, either I'm hitting my macros 100% awesome or I'm totally off track and I just don't even care and I don't track anything and I don't, I eat all the things. Instead of doing that and defaulting to the all or nothing, I want you to default to good, better, best. Like what is the best choice I can make in this situation? What's a better choice and what's a good choice? And then picking one of those and moving forward. One question I like to have people consider when they're asking questions about like, well, how do I handle this situation? I like to have them consider how would I respond to the situation if this was my lifestyle? If you really viewed this as your lifestyle, which is what I want it to be eventually, how would you respond to the situation? How would you respond to this vacation? How would you respond to going out to eat? And there's your answer of how to handle the situation. Another thing that people struggle with with consistency is hunger. And they say, you know, I'm so hungry. And so then I ended up eating over my macros. And this is a really important one to address because we want to work with our body, not against our body. The first thing you need to identify is if it really truly is hunger, because hunger can very easily be confused with other emotions. And so you really need to make sure, is it true physical hunger? Like, are you actually feeling it in your body or is it just this desire to eat? 
If you truly are feeling hunger, we need to do something about that. Because if you try to white knuckle it and just feel hungry all day long, you're not going to be successful in the long run. You just aren't. We want to minimize hunger as much as possible. So some things you can do for that is to eat 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day. You can increase your liquid intake, specifically your water intake. You can really focus on eating high volume foods, things like vegetables that have a lot of volume for very few calories, making sure that you're eating good pre and post workout. I find particularly for my body, if I don't feel myself well around my workout, it's almost like my body can't catch up the rest of the day and I just feel more hungry. If you get to the end of the day and you are physically hungry and you've ran out of your macros, I want you to consciously add two to 300 calories, have some sort of snack that's going to fill you up and move on. If your body is hungry, it is okay to feed it. Macros are not handcuffs. And I feel like this is something that a lot of people really get wrong as they dive into macros. They feel like it's this handcuffs that like they can't eat outside of the macros. Guess what? You are in control. It is just making you more aware of what you're eating, but you are in control of your food intake. And so consciously adding those extra calories is no big deal. If you're doing it consciously and not just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, oh, I'm hungry. Well, I'm going to eat everything in the cabinet. Do it very consciously. Add 200 to 300 extra grams of calories for the day and continue on and you're going to be fine in the long run. And then the last thing that people struggle with with consistency is emotional eating or stress eating. And this is a very common one that I hear from people. And some ideas to consider with with emotional eating or stress eating is that you first have to be able to identify it and label it. And most people get to the point where they're pretty good about that, where they can figure out, okay, yeah, I'm eating because I'm stressed and they can label it as such. And then the second step, once you can label it, is to actually be able to process and feel that emotion and and let it work through you rather than having to turn to food to process it. Because turning to food isn't going to actually solve any of the problems. It's not going to actually relieve the stress. It may feel like a band-aid. It may feel better for a little bit, but that stress is still there. It's just kind of been covered over by the food. And so rather than covering up, you need to deal with that emotion. And some of the most beneficial ways that I find to help clients with emotional eating is through journaling, being able to either talk to someone or write it down to be able to process through those emotions and feel them and get them out on paper allows people to work through it rather than just trying to cover it up. So if you struggle with stress eating or with emotional eating, I want you to actually consider how do I actually de-stress and how can I create this plan of when I feel stressed, when I feel angry, when I feel upset, when I feel overwhelmed, I will blank and have a plan ahead of time of what you're going to do instead of eating. So when I feel stressed, I will write a page in my journal. Or when I feel angry, I'm going to go take a bath. Some way that you can plan ahead of time, rehearsing the situation in your mind ahead of time of like what I'm going to do when I start to feel that emotion to actually process it and work through it rather than just trying to cover it up. So that's consistency. You have to give it two weeks of consistency before you even think about trying to adjust your macros. And for some of you, it might take a couple weeks, a couple months to be able to really feel like you've nailed that consistency. And that's okay. Don't adjust your macros until like you feel like you've, you've hit that consistency. Unless, unless you're feeling like your macros are way, way, way low or something. And that's 
keeping you from hitting your hitting your macros because like you're constantly hungry. In that case, like bump your macros up. But for the most part, if you're just struggling with consistency, you need to nail that first before you make any adjustments. And then step number six, this is where you adjust to get the results that you want. What happens is most people want to automatically jump to adjusting your macros, but that's not what needs to happen majority of the time. A majority of the time, you got to focus on that consistency first before you go into changing your numbers. Because if you aren't hitting your numbers now, changing them is usually not going to do anything. It's not going to make you hit them any any better. Numbers, The numbers aren't magic. I can't really stress that enough. They're not magic, my friends. You have to be consistent to be able to accurately adjust your macros. And now once you're consistent, you can say, what results do I want? What results am I getting? And are those two things matching up? Make sure that as you're analyzing what results that you're getting, that you're tracking the things that matter. So that means, yeah, everyone knows to track their weight. Okay. But that's not the only thing that you should be tracking. You also really want to be tracking your measurements and you want to be taking progress pictures because remember you can have fat loss without any change on the scale. And so I, what I find is that early on in the process, the f- those first couple of weeks, first couple of months, we see the most change in the scale weight and also measurements. And sometimes we'll see like measurements move first before the scale. Sometimes we'll see the scale move first before the measurements, but those tend to move early on and progress pictures take a little bit longer to show progress. So if you're comparing your progress picture from three weeks ago and you don't see any difference, that's okay. It's going to take time to be able to see those physical results. Keep taking progress pictures because being able to compare where you are eight weeks, 12 weeks, a year from now is going to be very valuable and very motivating to be able to see the progress that you have made. So make sure that you are weighing your body, you're measuring it and you're taking progress pictures so you can really get an accurate reflection of what results that you're getting. So often I will hear people say, well, I've been tracking macros for a month and the scale hasn't changed at all. And that's only a little part of the equation. And when you ask them about their measurements, oh, well, all of their measurements have gone down. And it's it's important to reaffirm to yourself that like, if your measurements are decreasing, you are losing fat, even if the scale is not going down. So you have to be able to do that and coach yourself through that process. If you've gotten to the point where you've consistently tracked your macros for two weeks and you haven't seen any changes, then there are four questions that I want you to ask before you adjust your macros. So the first question is, have I been consistent for two weeks? If no, you got to be consistent. Next question, has your weight decreased? If the answer is yes, then just keep going. If the answer is no, then we move on to step number three, question number three. Have any of your measurements decreased? If the answer is yes, even if the scale weight hasn't decreased, but if your measurements have decreased, you just keep going with those same macros. And then number four, if none of your measurements have decreased, do you feel leaner? Do you wake up in the morning feeling leaner, feeling like things are tightening up, feeling like things are changing? If the answer to that is also no, then you're at the point where we would consider that a weight loss plateau and you would drop your carbs by 20 or increase your cardio by an hour a week, not an hour a day, but like a total 60 minutes over the whole entire week. And then you just keep going and you keep repeating this cycle until you get macro numbers that are getting you the results that you want and that you're able to consistently hit and consistently maintain. And you just keep going. And so that's it. That's how you get started with counting macros. And let's just recap those six steps again. And then if you go and download the freebie 
at bicepsfforbabies.com forward slash to download. Again, I will walk you through all these steps. I have a lot more detail in that and some examples and some things to fill out. So I really suggest you go get that resource because it's going to be very valuable to you. But those six steps, again, just to rehash. First, you buy a food scale. Second, you download a food tracking app. Three, you log your normal intake for a week. Four, you set your macro goals. Five, you hit your macros. And six, you adjust to get the results that you want. That's it. That's how to get started. I hope that this was super helpful to you. And if it was, will you please share it? I know you probably have a sister or a friend or a mother-in-law who's curious about macros. So right on the podcast app, there's three dots at the bottom that you can tap and hit share episode, or you can take a screenshot and share it with your social media. I know that this process is going to help and educate a lot of people. So help me get the word out by sharing it. And one last reminder to go and leave a review on iTunes. That helps me. It helps the podcast and it gives me some good feedback about like what you're thinking and what you're enjoying and what you want more of on the podcast. That's a wrap for today. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up sister friend. Do you love biceps after babies radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.